down poinsettia. Chapter 2, Stalker Pope, Scream Disco. I spent damn near an entire month washing my balls in that 7-Eleven bathroom sink. That was my only source of hot water. That's fucking bad. Unless I wanted scalding shit out of the coffee maker in the fucking break room at work. I ain't washing my nuts with that. I had nice, gentle L.A. tap water. And I used that sink for a whole month to wash my balls, my ass, my armpits. I had a wash rag in there. Oh, yeah. Feet, whatever I could get up there in that sink. A lot of my DNA went down that tiled floor drain. The overnight clerk was grateful. He didn't have to fucking mop the floor. Yeah. They thought he was mopping it with, like, fragrant detergent. It was ivory soap. I'd rinse out my clothes in that sink, you know, with what I could. And um, hang it up in the car to dry. That sink was handy. My only regret is I couldn't go back and tell that Middle Eastern store clerk, that nice fella, just how much I sure appreciated him. Anyway, back to the story. Forgetting that I was in the break room for a cup of coffee, I reached over and I snatched that damn envelope out of my mail slot, opened it up, and pulled out the payroll check. It was over $700. (sighs) At first, I mean, I double-checked the name because I couldn't fucking believe it. Huge, gigantic smile ran up both sides of my face. Oh, my God, I whispered. I fucking did it. When I stepped out from the break room, Cheryl was walking in my direction from the billing department. Her face lit up when she saw me. Hey, Stan, she began, fumbling with fistful of documents. Did you get your check? Yeah, I I did, thanks, I answered with a smile. I wanted to play it off like it wasn't a big deal, but the fact was I was so relieved. Cheryl stopped in front of me, placing her free hand on the side of my arm. Good, she grinned, along with a couple of sharp head nods. If you want, you can cut out a little bit early and go over to the bank, she encouraged me. Do you have a bank? My eyes quickly darted around the office. I mean, it was a conversation I'd rather we had had in private, but too late, all the ladies in documentation were staring at me, including Barbara and Sue. Don't you all have your own jacked-up shit to be paying attention to? That's what I wanted to say. I didn't say it. Wanted to. What was so special about me that they all had to stop what they were doing and listen? Once again, trying not to come off too anxious or excited, you know, I put it on as if it was just another walk in the park. Ah, I haven't really looked at bank shit, Cheryl, I began. I was just probably going to run down to a check-cashing place or something. I said it out loud in front of Californians. As soon as I had said it, there was like this disapproving groan and <gasps> from various spots around the whole fucking office. All the women in documentation were looking directly at me, shaking their heads. Even deaf Muhammad. Who signed Muhammad and told him about my fucking banking problem? What are you shaking your head at? Hey, where'd the fucking smile go, man? 
You can come to my bank, food truck Barbara interjected out loud. We have free checking. I cringed, politely nodded at the same time in her direction as she returned to her cinnamon roll. I like the check cashing idea. Cheryl looked over at the group and subtle acknowledgement, turned right back around to me and said, you know, I bet you can open an account with the company banks. American Ensign did some of their banking into place right on the same damn street. I just remember how convenient and perfect it was just to cross Atlantic Avenue and cash the frickin' check. I sat down with a woman who opened a new account for me. Yeah, my Oklahoma driver's license and everything. She let me do it with half the amount. That's right. I shoved the other half of the money down my front pocket and I shook her hand. Oh my God, it felt so good to have money again. I had money. My car. Holy shit, would it make it to the mobile gas station right down the street? I had the money to fill that fucker up. I could do laundry. I could wash my stinking fucking clothes. I could eat. I could eat. Finally, I could have something to fucking eat instead of fucking coffee creamer and saltine crackers. I had enough money to go sit down somewhere and have a meal. Let me tell you, when I walked into that bank, there was, there was glide in my stride. That's an understatement. A river danced across Atlantic. My first stop was at a mobile gas station right down from American Ensign on Atlantic. I bought a couple packs of smokes, filled up the gas tank, then drove to Seal Beach. I was heading for a hotel. I wasn't looking to blow my money or, you know, get something unnecessary, but the fact was, look, I had money in the bank and money in my pocket. A good night's sleep in an actual bed with clean linens and a full meal was way overdue. I drove down the PCH right past that roundabout I'd been living in. It felt weird to be able to drive by it. After a month of living in that strip mall parking lot, I finally had somewhere else to go, and it felt good. I was heading to a perfect little hotel I'd been eyeballing for weeks. It was right on the beach. It was a small, just four or five-story building right by the beach. It looked clean, well-maintained. That was all that mattered to me. With the rooms clean, I'm good. I just wanted a clean bed to sleep in and a hot shower. I must have been the only fucking guest. He only charged me $65 for the room in that little joint, and he put me on the top fucking floor. 65 bucks. Wow. I knocked a fucking dent in the old bankroll there, but damn it, I needed it. I had to have it. Once inside the room, I dropped my gym bag right by the door and I stripped my bare ass I took all of my clothes off everything I just dropped them in a pile right next to the bag by the front door <laughs> now stay with me on this one because when my bare feet sank into the strands of that thick carpeted floor hair on my neck stood up I mean it actually surprised me for nearly a month my feet had been standing Standing in old boots or on a cold, tiled 7-Eleven bathroom floor. Or the back seat of the car. The parking lot. But 
strands of that thick carpet of floor felt like waves of little feathers on the bottom of my feet and between my toes. It really felt that good. God, it was nice. Gingerly, delicately, I didn't stomp. I walked over to the large window next to the bed and I pulled open the drapes. Damn. There wasn't anybody out there on the beach. I didn't give a shit. I just stood there naked, clutching the curtains, looking down at the spot where ocean met the land. Countless lazy white cap waves tumbled onto the beach one after another, living big swirls of white bubbly foam on the wet sand. I closed my eyes and sighed. I wanted to cry. I mean, it just felt so damn good to be out of clothes <laughs> on you know, carpet. I didn't cry, but I could have, man. My body was screaming for a hot shower, but I just kept standing there for the longest time. It was as if I was afraid the good feeling, you know, would leave if I moved. That's how fucking wonderful it felt. A little bit of time passed where I finally let go of the curtains and went to the bathroom to wash my ass. I must have cascaded through an ass load of their fucking hot water for three rooms probably because for the next 20 minutes I leaned against the tiled walls in that fucking shower. Hot water just sprayed over my neck, my head, my shoulders, my back. I actually washed my hair and body, rinsed, and then washed again. (laughs) Remember, to this day, it's difficult for me to put into words how fucking wonderful it was I could feel each and every tiny river stream of water running down my chicken ass. I scrubbed the hell out of my feet. I'm not a clean freak. It was just nice to get the shit off me, you know? (laughs) The bathroom was full of steam when I cut the water and toweled off. Afterwards, I went in there. There was a number for Domino's, and yeah, I ordered a large pizza from Domino's. I put on a pair of gym shorts, fell back on the bed, and shut my eyes. I was just starting to drift off sleep when the pizza guy knocked. I tipped him five bucks, closed the door, set the pizza on the small table in my room. It had been at least 36 hours since I'd had anything to eat. For the most part, I inhaled that first slice, and I was full. (laughs) I inhaled the first slice, but because my stomach had shrunk so damn much, I couldn't even make it a third of the way through the second piece. That was weird. Back in the day, I could consume three quarters of pie by myself. (laughs) That's a large, folks. I pitched the uneaten portion of the pizza back in the box and lie down. I was so tired. I was so exhausted, drained. That shower, wow. I didn't even get it under the covers. I fell asleep on top of the comforter. I'm not sure how long I'd been out before I woke up to a ringing phone. Hmm. Startled the hell out of me. Who the hell was calling me? I figured it must have been the front desk. I mean, no one knew where I was. I threw my legs over the side of the bed and Picked up the receiver. Hello? Stan! The voice on the other line hollered. I rubbed my eyes, still trying to wake up. 
I don't want to have to deal with anybody. Who the fuck was this? Who the hell's this? I growled. It's Mark. The voice chuckled. From work. Mark McGinnis. That woke me up pretty damn quick. The tall punk rock accountant. The William Faggot folder in the file room, Mark? (laughs) Yeah. He fired right back with a bit of laughter. What the hell are you doing in a hotel, man? My pa's not answering right away. I mean, that was a real good question. I searched for a real good bullshit answer, but there wasn't one. I I don't know. Mark, hey man, I began rubbing my eyes. I just thought it'd be nice to... I just thought it'd be nice to get a room tonight, you know, take a shower and, I don't know, sleep in the bed. There's a bit of a pause for I heard him giggle. Yeah, we kind of thought so. Thought what? I asked a little defensive. Ah, shit. Sally, Victor, Cheryl, we all thought you might be sleeping in your car. I smiled and looked down. <laughs> yeah, man, I just didn't want anybody to fuss over me. Well, look, you don't have to stay in a fucking hotel, man, Mark announced enthusiastically. I'm looking for a roommate bad. It took a few seconds for what he said to resonate. At first, I wasn't sure I'd fucking heard him right. A roommate? Yeah, he laughed. I live in a big double wide. My folks moved out and I need somebody to split the rent with me. Holy shit, I thought. Holy shit. Before I could say anything, Mark went on to sweeten the deal. You can have the master bedroom. Your part of the rent's going to be about two fifty a month, all bills included. $250 a month? Get your money back for that fucking room and come over. I couldn't believe it. Suddenly, I felt like I was back out on the roundabout. First day again, I just couldn't fucking believe I was setting where I was setting. You're damn right I accepted the offer. Where do you live, man? The trailer park sat right off Lakewood Boulevard in Lakewood, California. How's that for convenient? (laughs) It wasn't hard to find. Once I got within eye shot of the trailer park, I could see the collection of mobile homes in the small park. Short retaining wall wrapped around the park right next to the boulevard. I could not believe it. There were some nice double wides, nice trailer houses smack dab in the center of L.A. Metro. I thought mobile homes were exclusive only to the Midwest. I pulled my car up next to the sidewalk, got out and looked around. Neighborhood looked cleaner than Long Beach. It looked safer, too. There's a restaurant right next to the trailer park and a small market for groceries and a liquor store, yay, right across the street. After the quick gander, I turned around to walk up the main drive into the park, approaching the second double-wide trailer on the left. I wasn't three steps in, and I could already see Mark in the screen door of one of the trailers looking out at me. He didn't have his shirt on. He was wearing his leather pants, boots. Long hair was wet, draped over one side of his dead white skin. I could see him laughing when he punched through the door. What are you doing in a hotel, man? 
clutch of my bag, I stopped in the middle of the drive. It's like, it was better than sleeping in that fucking car, I smirked as I stepped up the steps into my new home. After a short visit in the living room, I went back out of the car and got the rest of my stuff, including the leftover Domino's pizza. Mark showed me my room. It was the master bedroom, and I had my very own bathroom. I was really quite surprised that I was getting the master bedroom. Why was I so special? Well, Mark said, I can't sleep in there, man. I tossed my bag into the king-size bed. What do you mean? Mark shivered about, I can't sleep in the same bed my mom and dad slept in? (laughs) I'll keep my room. You keep this one. He looked over at the bag I'd thrown on the uh, king-size bed. Those dirty clothes? Yeah, I said, they're dirty. Hell, throw them in the washing machine, he said, pointing at the little washer and dryer over in the kitchen nook. I looked around, Mark, over the dining room table. Yeah, holy shit, over past the partition, by the back door. There's a washer and dryer that didn't require quarters. Fuck yeah, and there was detergent up there, not too far from the fucking refrigerator. Would that be okay? I asked. Well, fuck yeah, he said. You live here. There's detergent in the cabinet above the washing machine, he said as he walked back towards the front of the house. Use what you need. Tomorrow we can go to the grocery store. That was something that had completely slipped my fucking mind. The only one I'd walked into was to steal grapes or apply for jobs. I finally regained the ability to go to a market, buy food, and cook something. Yeah, cook something to eat. In a kitchen. Seriously, I grabbed my bag of dirty clothes, properly separated the clothes this time, and washed them. While they washed, I sat down on the end of my new bed and rubbed my eyes over my face. Huge sigh of relief just escaped my mouth. At last, I had a home. That night, Mark whipped up a skillet of beef burritos, and we had a late supper at the dining room table. He said grace before we ate. It rocked. Being a new resident of Lakewood, California, it was like a crossroads for me. I mean, it really solidified the purpose of my long journey. You see, I was in a brand new world where I could reinvent myself, become something completely different from what I'd been back home. I couldn't even tell you what the fuck I wanted to become. I just didn't like me at all. And my new friend, Mark, was pulling back the curtains on an entirely different stage of shit I had never seen in my fucking life before. I mean, it didn't take very long for me to realize just how unhip I was. (laughs) My physical presence may have been in California, but my brain was still infected by Oklahoma. It showed for the first time when Mark asked me if I'd like something to drink. Yeah, I replied. Could I have a pop? His face took on a puzzled expression as he stood looking in the fridge. A what? Spoke a little louder, thinking he didn't hear me. I'll just take a pop. He smiled, letting go of the handle and resting his arm on top of the corner of the refrigerator. What the fuck is a pop? What, you want me to punch you? No. Uh, My hand twirled in a back-to-front circle as I went through a short list of soft drinks. You know, Coke, Dr. Pepper, Pepsi. 
Oh, he lit up. A soda. Yeah, I confirmed. A, a soda. He laughed out loud and then reached in and grabbed me a Pepsi. I don't know what the hell you were talking about, he giggled. Soda pop, I guess. Mark was a tall, skinny, 22-year-old Irish Catholic man whose family still resided in the area. I knew he had a sister living in Bellflower and parents who had just retired and were preparing to enjoy their twilight. On the surface, Mark had come from a very happy, average American family. That's why I was so taken back at first by his taste in clothes and music. I mean, there were Bela Lugosi Bauhaus posters and shit hanging all over his bedroom walls. I mean, the guy was a complete goth rocker. He wore a lot of black. He long brown hair when it was brown was long and shaved on both sides of his head. If you didn't speak with him, you'd assume he was a rowdy punk rocker of the criminal record. He wasn't. Mark was a very decent person. He regularly attended Catholic Mass and even prayed at the house. He may have cussed and drank, but he was dedicated to his faith. He really was. Mark was a walking personality conflict. It seemed to be very comfortable in his own skin. I mean, I could never figure out if he was confounded or if he just wanted me to think he was. I think he was really hurt by the death of his brother. I think he hid a lot of secrets, but you know what? He was my friend. Mark was colorblind. Yeah, I just remembered that. Mark was colorblind, religious, drug-free, goth rocker who worked in accounting and had suddenly become the number one influence of an 18-year-old kid from Oklahoma. (laughs) Now, in no way does that mean I'm trying to attach any blame or shame to the shit that went down on Mark, okay? He was colorblind. It wasn't his fucking fault. Anyway. Being in L.A., for me, hey, it was like being on another planet. I was so intoxicated by it all. Before Mark come along, I'd never even heard of groups like Bauhaus and the Butthole Surfers. In the blink of an eye, I'd made a radical jump from Waylon Jennings to Dookie Flyswatter. Last concert I'd been to was a Motley Crue Whitesnake show in Tulsa. I'd somehow gone... From lighting a cigarette for Tony Katane at the convention center to punching a dude in the face at the screen. Oh my god. The screen. My absolute style of fucking nightclub, the most badass nightclub I ever been to in fucking life. Back in Oklahoma, you know, I'd been to plenty of clubs. I mean, I was quite familiar with them, actually. At the age of five, I'd become a regular at the VIP gambling den in Alba, Oklahoma with my grandma. Yeah, it was an exclusive steakhouse in the outskirts of town. You had to be a member to dine there, hence the name VIP Club. The club was known for good food, live country bands every weekend, but there was also a private gambling lair isolated off the main hall in the back. I remember it clearly because I clearly remember going and, you know, being treated like a little mascot. It was awesome. 
I mean, if I wasn't sitting at the bar drinking a pop, playing the coin slots, I was scurrying about the poker and craps tables. I was shooting dice before I could point out my own dick, sure. That was my first nightclub experience. Years later, when I was 12, I got a summer job cleaning Bartesville, Oklahoma's world-famous Disco International. That's right. Well, I, I don't know if the place is world-famous or actually international. As a matter of fact, well... I don't recall sheiks and princesses flying in it to dance there. I it, I was a little boy, though. I didn't go there. My mom, she took cover charge to the front door. She never mentioned it anyway. I mean, I heard a Chinese guy change a flat tire in the parking lot one time. The owners were actually from my hometown of Oshleta. Really beautiful people. As a matter of fact, they were friends of my grandmother. The owner, Bobby, hired me for... You know, a summer job, and I spent every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning mopping floors and polishing chrome rails when I wasn't playing baseball. That was my number two nightclub experience. Still, despite my extensive uh, craps game experience, the VIP club and Alvera disco experience in Bartersville, I was no way mentally prepared for the dark maiden walls of the scream, and it fucking turned me on. I had a chance to watch TV in like a month, so he had to pull me away from that fucking Richard Ramirez trial. I just couldn't get enough of that shit. I was watching it every time we was home. But he talked me into going to the screen. And I decided, okay. He went full punk, Mark did. Full fucking punk that night. I'm not kidding. <laughs> when we walked out of his bedroom, I about fucking fell over. I was wearing jeans, boots, and a t-shirt. Where in the hell was this guy taking me? What's the name of that place again, I asked suspiciously. The Scream, man, he happily replied while checking out his hair in the hall mirror. I, mean, I'm one, I didn't want to offend Mark because he was my friend, but damn, I was kind of intimidated. Leather pants and boots threw me off a bit. Was it a biker bar? No, Stan, he buckled with laughter while trying to finish what was left in his beer can. It's definitely not a biker bar. It's about 10 o'clock and we slammed our empty beer cans down on the kitchen counter and head out. Mark drove us up in his little red car. When we got near downtown, Mark parked a block or two away from the club and it was the first time I'd ever walked near downtown L.A. So when we got out of the car, my head was swinging back and forth. The streets were all lit up by the burnt orange night sky and shadowed by trees and buildings. Aside from the distant rumble of Friday night, traffic it was surprisingly quiet i couldn't look at enough fast enough as we walked down the streets i was city struck the building that hosted the scream was just so damn appropriate it was a colossal sized nightclub near downtown los angeles it was in downtown los angeles and unlike anything i had ever been to before it looked as though it had been plucked right out of the city of Gotham. Tall white arch windows curtained by thin drapery gave view to passing silhouettes and haunting lights from within the club. The allure was dynamic. We circled the park across the street and I could see a line of people standing out front waiting to get in. Every single one of them looked like they had just come from the fucking Rudolph Valentino funeral. I mean, there was a lot of dark veils, hats, pants, boots, and coats. 
I could see assortments of chain ensembles, lace, leather attire wrapped around scrawny young malnourished bodies with dead white-ass skin. They were whiter than me. Holy shit, I mumbled to myself as we got closer. I was definitely wearing the wrong fucking clothes. The scream was wicked cool, and I looked like a fucking moron. Do they have a dress code? I asked, somewhat taken back as we neared the club. Mark laughed as he blew cigarette smoke in the sky. Are you kidding me? I looked down and pulled a Pink Floyd t-shirt with both my hands. I don't think I'm dressed right, man. We stepped down from the curb across the Parkview Street. Mark pitched a cigarette to the ground, cocked his head back, blew the last of the smoke in the air. You're fine, he smiled. We paid the $10 cover and walked in. First thing that grabbed my attention was the large, megawide grand staircase that led up to the second floor. It was huge. At the top of it was a sprawling set of these iron gates. It took a second. I looked again and I froze. And then it hit me. Oh my God. That was in the movie Lesson Zero. That was in the movie Lesson Zero. Mark laughed. For a second I just stood there in complete awe. I admired it on the silver screen. But now I was standing in it looking like a total asshole. Yeah. I didn't even notice the bartender who was trying to hand me a free beer until Mark hollered out. Stan! Mark shouted over the thunder of the dark tunes resounding from the various rooms. I glanced over and took the beer from a bartender who was dressed like Lord Humongous. After popping the top and taking a big swig, Mark gave me the tour of this magnificent club. He led me around, showing off the different rooms on the first and second floors. Some of the rooms had stages with live acts like the Four Non Blondes and Death Ride 69. Smaller ballrooms played host with hard, thumping, acid trance music and just good old goth rock. Fifteen-foot-tall projected images of Sisters of Mercy videos dancing across the walls. It was just so gigantic. I mean, everything was. It was bigger than anything I'd ever seen before. And I just couldn't shake the disbelief that I was actually there. When Mark was finished showing me around the club, the two of us split up. He went back upstairs to watch a live group perform, and I stayed near one of the bars, finished my second beer. It took a little time for me to loosen up, but once I did, you know, I completely fell out of myself. Nobody give a shit that I was in a Pink Floyd shirt. I mean, I completely let go. I spent the remainder of the night bouncing around from room to room, slam dancing, mosh pitting, to the death rock tunes of a world completely foreign to me. I didn't understand why we were beating the piss out of each other, but there was something so agreeable about it. It was savage. I can't explain why I liked it. It was animal. And my love for it was total. I just let go. Even the young women I encountered were so uninhibited. They were fearless. At one point I was standing there with my hands by my side waiting for a beer at one of the bars. It was crowded and dark. I was a little tipsy, so my sense of reasoning was somewhat distorted, but my sense of touch still worked that day. As I stood there with my right arm on the bar and my left arm by my side, I kept feeling bare flesh press against my left hand. It was soft and smooth. I kept pressing against my hand. felt like a butt. felt like a woman's butt. 
turned my hand palm up without looking over and touched. Yep, that's a woman's butt, all right. Took my hands off the bartender. I mean, I took my eyes off the bartender and looked to my left. Yep, that was an ass. An attractive girl with blonde, black, and purple hair and all kinds of shit standing there between two people near the bar. Well, she had raised her short little skirt up over her waist and was pressing her bare butt right right up against me. And um, I'm not kidding. She had a cute ass, too. (laughs) I mean, it was no accident either because her chin was resting on her right shoulder and she was looking at me smiling. I mean, at first it didn't register. I I didn't identify with what was happening as reality. I mean, it took a few seconds. I had to convince myself she was doing it on purpose. I looked down again. Yep, that was her ass in my hand. My hand was up there, boy. I looked back up at her. Yeah, she was still smiling, so I leaned down and we kissed. That was it. That was it. She was uh, the first woman I kissed in Los Angeles, and I never even knew her name. I got my beer, and so I got the fuck out of there. Uh, (laughs) Despite the the, uh, kiss and my hand up her ass, it just didn't go any further. I never saw her again. That's too bad. She was very cute. So that's pretty much how the first night went at the screen. It was about 2.30 in the morning. We drove back to Lakewood. Mark drove. We had the windows down. I had dry blood and cheap beer stained the front of my shirt. During the course of the evening, I'd managed to get myself drunk and shit kicked out of me in them mosh pits. As Mark drove, I, I sat in the passenger seat running my tongue side to side over the two freshly chipped teeth in my mouth. Those canine teeth on the bottom, they represented the night I'd spent brawling against complete strangers at the scream. Fuckers, I mumbled. I heard Mark snicker. I looked over. He was slumped forward, hanging onto the steering wheel with one hand, laughing. <laughs> His laughter spurred mine. He didn't even say a word. We just drove all in all. Been one of the greatest nights of my fucking life. Thanks for listening to Bombing Down Poinsettia by Stanley Dwayne Sires. going to be back next week, next Wednesday at 8 p.m. with a Chapter 3, Red Ass. Okay? Right here on the Stan the Joke Man Show. Thanks for listening.